0: To episode seventeen of the Project Footballer podcast. Today we are with Gabriel, who runs the Athlete Mentality Group. Is that have I pronounced that correctly, Gabriel? Have I said that right? Yeah,
1: that's correct. That's correct.
0: Um, I'm, I'm really excited for this episode because it's all going to be about about developing a winning mindset. Um, I'm gonna. Pass straight on to Gabriel now because he'll explain it a lot better than I can. But um, G- Gabriel, c- can you can you? Um, well, firstly, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, thank you for hosting me today.
0: Um, and we're also joined um, by Rob Ursell, who's going to be giving his input as well. How you doing, Rob?
2: Yeah, yeah. Hi, good. Good to meet you, Gabriel. Good to meet you um, guys.
0: So, 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 Gabriel. Um, yeah, tell us, how did you get into teaching a winning mentality to athletes?
1: Before I started that, I was totally focused on learning it for myself. I was an athlete before, so I, I am from Brazil. So me, just like most of the, the guys in here, we wanted to play soccer professionally. And since I was eight years old, I started playing for teams here in Brazil I played for a couple of teams, and throughout that time, I was really focused into making as a professional athlete, into a professional footballer, and I wanted to learn more about the psychological side to help me, because I felt like I was not using the best of my potential, that I was not playing games as well as I could, and I chose to try to understand for my personal gain, how to use those things, how to understand myself better, to start mental mentally preparing for playing sports and after uh, three years studying that and using for myself I decided to not play anymore, to not try playing soccer anymore when I was around 20 years old and I continued to follow the path of mental preparation, understanding psychology and that's what it took me. I started uh, at 18 years old learning about those things and Continue since then I never stopped it and made it my main focus in life to understand and help athletes about the psychological side. And how many athletes will we work with now? Uh, so there I have a course which I have around 400 athletes, and I also work with athletes one on one mentoring. And as of right now, I have 10 weekly athletes, and it's uh, usually a process that takes up to just six months those athletes talk to me weekly
0: okay and what are the sorts of things that you would teach through your course
1: every mental aspect of the game so we cover focus we cover anxiety we focus you cover confidence pre-game preparation visualization uh mindfulness goal setting all the things that cover the mental side that are related to the mental side i cover in the course it's a uh, step-by-step strategy for athletes to understand how their mind works.
0: And what are the types of results that you'll see when you start working with players? Like, what will be the process?
1: Uh, so try to understand what is the thing that is holding them back. So each athlete has their own needs, their own goals that they want to accomplish. Some athletes are feel too anxious before playing. Other athletes feel like they are not so focused during the game. Other athletes don't know how to deal with failures, don't know how to cope with mistakes. Other athletes care too much about what other people think about them. And this is the the first step, understanding what is holding their performance back, understand what is the the mental tool, the mental training tool that we can use to work on the specific need they have. And we start a training program that covers all the needs they have to meet the thing that they're looking for.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, hearing some of those examples that you gave, um, yeah, I could always, I could think about when I played. I could definitely have used with help in some of those areas. Like I know, yeah, I know. As a kid, um, I personally would get myself in a real state, um, and I know, I know, like my inner voice would be sort of like negative. If I make a bad pass, it'd be like, oh, Sean, why did you make that bad pass? And oh no, the, the manager's upset. Or, you know, I would start then, like, all well, this would start compounding. Um, Rob, did you um, have any, anything that Gabriel just talked about there? Um, did you suffer with any of those problems as a player?
2: Um, yeah, so one thing that I, I actually did, so probably most of it I probably could have had help with. One thing I did um, do before games, probably when I, when I started when I was about 20, 25, something like that, was visualisation, I found that really helped me. Um, like actually picturing what I was going to do in the game before I did it, like I wouldn't, before I actually started doing it completely off my own back, I would never have thought that was something that could help me, but it 100% did. And um, obviously, uh, probably the mental side of of the game was relatively like ignored for many, many years because we don't know. We didn't know half as half as much as what we do now, but it, it can't be ignored now. So it's something that I mean, I think it's it's right. Am I right in saying, Gabriel, that you work with adults mostly?
1: Yeah, yeah, mostly adults. Uh so yeah. the main range of age is from 15 to 25 years so. old.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I think as we're going to talk about later, um, I think this is something that that kids probably need. Um I don't know. What you, What do you think about that, Gabriel?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a different approach for kids as yeah. they are not aware and probably won't be as motivated to work on the mental side. So the, the role goes mainly for the parents, what the parents can do to help them, what the parents can teach them to do. But definitely, definitely. And especially because at young age, the, it's when our core interpretations or when we learn the most, the neuroplasticity, our capability to learn things, is that it's peakest at, during young age, so it's crucial that athletes learn good things during those times, because if they learn bad things, it's going to take a lot of work to learn those things.
2: Yeah, I, um, I think, like, with um, tailoring it towards more towards younger players, obviously, I would, I'd kind of, just from guessing, I'd equate it to studying... Studying gets a lot more serious when you're 19, 18, 19, 20, and you're still studying, doesn't it? But you have to, you have to have that basis of that. And I'm I think with the mental side of approaching it's probably this it could be the same way where you have to build that base when they're younger. You don't have to obviously go into as much detail as you would later on with with adults, but you build that base so they're more, more um, susceptible to it later on.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The more you learn UFCs so, that I Age, the less you have to work on those things later when you are older. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I remember um, there was something that um, Ronaldinho spoke about where he would just, like, sit in the bath for hours and hours and just visualise. Yeah, he would, like, visualise, like, what he was going to do. Like, he would almost, like, picture every, like, moment of the game, where he was going to receive the ball, the sounds of the stadium, the passes that he would do and you know like what what a creative player like the ideas that he would come up with you know it, it, it's almost that it's not happening exactly in the moment but they're created beforehand um i mean yeah can, I can you imagine really that, that gabriel really
2: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I like i used to struggle a bit to sleep before a game with so much excitement like the night before a game and i i would be in bed just visualizing what i could do the next day for sure and it did help. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's the, probably the most used tool for athletes when it comes to the mental side is visualization. And I believe that every athlete does this by themselves without any uh, further instructions. But the more you understand how it works, the way you can do it, the ways it can help you to develop different skills is definitely one of the most effective things when it comes to the mental side. And I didn't know this about Ronaldo. I have not heard about it, but it explains a lot about his creativity. Yeah. So,
0: so, so let's say that a parent wants to start doing some visualization exercises with their child, and maybe you know, footballers are starting you know younger and younger these days. But let's say that it was with a seven-year-old. Um, so, you know, what would they do? They they might. Uh, like sit them in their room and shut the door and say, right, think about football or <laughs> what, what, what do they do?
1: <laughs> so when it, for, for children, the most effective way to actually make them do it is to make it entertaining, to make it fun. So trying to stimulate the children to look, this is something interesting. This is something that you can do at your sports and kids are great at imagination, creativity. So just by giving like small pieces of information about it, just look, uh, do you know what are the things you're going to do in the game? Or what are the, the skills you learn today? Do you know that if you visualize, if you imagine yourself doing them, you can improve, you can get better at them? Just uh, making this process as natural as it can be without forcing it, without giving a lot of instructions, do this, do that, make it realistic, repeat these same skills 10 times. Just by look, do, this, this would be fun. Try this out, see how it goes. Or even when they are playing like on the field or just doing something when the children is trying to learn, explain to, to the children, look, visualize this before. Imagine in your mind, the things you're going to do before you do them and see how it helps you to understand the movements. I think this would be the best way to get started with it since the the most important thing we have to have in mind when we are training children is that the more they are intrinsically motivated, the more they have fun when they're doing something, the more chances they have of sticking to those things in the future. Mm,
0: mm. See, as you were talking, I was thinking where it might, Beware if you can get the child to sit still for long enough. But maybe um the father and the son are in the park and they're sitting down on the in on the grass. And then you say to the child, look, just close your eyes and I want and what can you see? And maybe they just say they see nothing. And then you say, All right, I want you to imagine a red circle. And then if they can picture a red circle, they can see that. Maybe then you could then build in, okay. Can you see yourself now and then they see themselves maybe you get them to see themselves at a football game at their pitch and then you build in the other players um maybe at that point they've run away and they've got you distracted and we've lost the <laughs> child but um but the next week um you could build on it again start with the red circle build the players then you start having the team playing um and, and then you could then start saying can you picture yourself scoring a goal in the bottom left-hand corner?" Because if you can get the child to create the pictures in their mind, which are positive, then that's a starting place. You, you hear about those people who, uh, they learn the technique of lucid dreaming. Do you know mm-hmm. much about lucid dreaming? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, and, and sometimes those people, yeah, I mean, those people say that they can control their dreams. Um, you know I, I think it'd be like such, such a hard thing to do um in that like subconscious state but um yeah you know if 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 you could do that um to get those visualizations but then is there a danger gabriel that once the child starts like learning visualizations having, having clear images is there a danger that they lose control of it and it starts turning into a lot of negative imagery
1: yeah there is but it shouldn't be something that really comes from visualization, it will come as a consequence of other things. So if a child has negative thoughts all the time, or if the child has uh, negative behavior all the time, visualization will just repeat the behavior that was happening before. Visualization won't cause those negative things to start happening. And it's uh, also a good way to understand and prevent those things from going any further if, you're, if you realize that your child is having, is visualizing a lot of negative things and doesn't have any control over those things, there's something going on. Why is this child having mm-hmm. so many repetitive, negative thoughts, negative behavior? There's something happening. And visualization could be a way to understand and spot that that is happening, but it shouldn't be the, the cause of these things.
0: Okay. That's helpful to hear that. What's your view? What do you teach your athletes about p- positive affirmations?
1: They are very helpful, but they have to be used strategically. Just repeating, for example, I am calm when you are under pressure. It is not going to help because your emotions are already in a completely different way. And saying something to yourself at that time won't have any effect. Lying to yourself. Lying exactly. to yourself. Exactly. So those affirmations, they have to be strategic in a way that they shift your perspective. So for example, when you are really anxious before playing and you are feeling anxious instead of saying I am calm or I don't care what happens in the game, you start reframing to I'm excited to play this game or I love being here and you start reframing that anxiety as excitement and then we bring, we decrease the level of anxiety and change the perspective towards a more positive scenario a more positive expectation of what might happen in the game and outside the scenario of reframing anxiety as excitement it will be the same principle so instead of fighting back the thing that is happening to you trying to shift your focus into something else
0: well i mean that's very advanced what you've described because in the example that you've given, the person um, is emotional, their heart is beating fast, they're anxious and they're trying to convert that. And then you're saying like, recognize that as the cause of excitement, which means you love the sport and so on. And that's why it's happening. That calms you down and regulates yourself essentially. But then for a child, that's going to be quite hard. Um, I mean, how might a parent, just introduce affirmations to the child. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. So the the principle that we follow when using mental training is that the thoughts are going to create emotions and the emotions will create the behavior. When the emotions are already happening, when the child is already anxious, is already seeing that specific scenario on a negative way that is making the child to fear what's going to happen or Anything that creates anxiety, the goal is to help the child to have more positive thoughts and not try the child to create their own positive thoughts. So instead of saying to the child, look, just repeat yourself, I am anxious or I am excited and not anxious, I love being here, it's a start. But for a child that doesn't have as much um, capability of being rational when their emotions are triggered, it's not the most helpful way. So helping the child to understand what are the emotions, why their emotions are there, how they can control their thoughts. This is a start, but the most effective thing and the younger the the age, the more important this is, is that you help the child to have the thoughts that you believe that will help this child to change their emotions. So acting as this external brain of creating thoughts for the child, instead of expecting the child to have their own thoughts by themselves, to deal with that situation, makes sense. Mm. Yeah, it, like does. it does. a lot of yeah. here, I don't know if it's clear to understand.
2: Uh, I just want to like kind of go back to when we were t- when you- when I said to you about players aligning to themselves. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think I think um, something that I c- encounter a lot, both as a player and as a coach, the, definitely more and more the last, I would say five, six years, um, is players who cannot take criticism. And I think I have this, um, what, what would you, I, I don't want to speak too much about it. I want to ask, get your thoughts. What do you think about um, constructive criticism and players' ability to take it? Should they just not be criticized or or do they need to be... Is it a skill to learn how to take that criticism?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are two, two main things to talk about for this topic. The first one is of if the, the athletes should be criticized, and yes, they should. Being exposed to stress, it's, uh, it's tremendously important for the child to develop resilience, confidence, learn to deal with their own emotions. And there's also the, the environment that helps the child. So if the environment doesn't support the child and gives criticism, even if the goal is to offer constructive criticism, it won't be taken well. So it's important to, yes, criticize the child. But before that happens, before the criticism comes, it is tremendously important that the child feels welcome in their environment and that the people that are in there care for them. So. And of course, this involves several factors and this is not something that changes overnight. But if the child feels welcome in that environment, feels safe, and then a criticism comes, the child is more likely to receive that criticism in a good way. But also, each individual is different. Each child learns different things, especially because those things are coming mostly from the way they are raised. So if the child is a spoiled child and then coach comes and criticizes them, criticism would not be taken very well. Yeah. But if the child starts developing these early on and the parents are helping with this process of exposing the child to stress in a good way, the child will develop this capability, this skill of resilience.
2: I just want just to clarify. I was more um, uh, thinking, thinking about um, adult players at that point. Uh, Obviously, it relates to children. But no, 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 it's fine. Obviously, it relates to children as well. But I just don't want people to think I'm shouting at every kid. Uh, (laughs) um, Uh, It's more... No,
0: no, but... more,
2: More in the men's game, especially now, that people with social media, I just find everyone's just nice to each other when they don't mean it, just so someone says something nice back. And i found that every time you... Well, not every time, sorry, there's there's ju- this is just for certain players, but a lot of players, you will try and explain exactly what they went wrong. You'll show them on a video. Sean short, short knows what I'm talking about. You'll you show them on a video. Um, you'll highlight everything you're talking about and they just don't take it well at all when it's to help them and to help the team. And I think that's that's something that as a society, we probably need to improve. Like the ability yeah. to recognise what constructive criticism is and I'm talking about like you looked at it more from probably the the coach's point because you were thinking about how we deal with kids but I'm thinking about it more from the player's point
1: and mm-hmm.
2: when I started actually improving my understanding of the game and things like that was when I actually learned to criticize myself mm-hmm. um, I think I think it's just so important to be able to criticize yourself and to be able to accept criticism from from other people
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so the thing that i was talking about child and how it's important to for the parents to expose them to stress early on if this doesn't happen the it's very likely that the adult player becomes in a way that they don't do well or don't accept criticism or feedback they are not they are viewing those things as a way to reinforce how they see themselves. And if there's something negative, they want to avoid that because it hurts the ego. So it's yeah. something that we will be as a, as a process that happens since we are born, we're exposed. The way we're exposed to stress and the way you respond to it, we'll just build a habit of doing that or responding to it in a specific way. And if it doesn't happen during childhood, when we become older, it's very harder, much harder to change that then yeah. if you develop a uh, a good view of criticism since you are younger
2: yeah so I, i'm not really yeah, blaming i'm i'm not blaming the the players themselves but the the whole yeah the the societal approach mm-hmm. to to criticism is 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 really wrong at the moment i think and it's making it very hard for uh, players to improve um their understanding and stuff they they can improve technically because they that's about repetition and stuff but to improve mm-hmm. their game on un- their game understanding is really difficult because they find it so hard to accept that they were wrong even if you show them
1: yeah
2: yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. but but you know you know what you know what like the, what we what we see with let's say it's our 20 year olds like because you were a manager of a uh, same professional team for the last few years rob so i know like that's what a lot that you've you're talking about at the moment with that experience. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so like the 20 year olds, like what are they like the generation Z or whatever? Um, it's like, that is a lag effect of how those, that generation has been brought up. And I don't want to group, they're not obviously not everyone's the same. Yeah. But you do course. see more patterns and trends. With, yeah, exactly, with, with certain generations. So now if that generation has been brought up that way, where maybe like they got so much praise, everything was about their results. It was, oh, you did so well on this exam. Well done, let me celebrate your exam. The parents all competing with each other whose child is the best. And now the child grows up building their identity exactly like you said, Gabriel, around these results. That's who they are as a person. And you said that their ego is challenged the moment that someone comes to criticize their identity. And yeah. it's fearful that they lose that. Whereas I know that, and, and in fairness to this newer generation of parent, I think this generation of parent seeks information. They want to be the best parents they can be. They're, they're going out to find ways that it can be, they, that, you well, know, well, of mistakes that were made maybe in the past. Go on, what are you saying, so, Rob?
2: They've got so much information available, so it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, na- it's natural yeah, it's, that they're going to be they're going to be able to to find out more about every little thing well
0: but well, that's it like you know society has now almost changed because of the internet and there's so much information out there that the people who are being successful in this day and age are people who go and seek out improvement and and this information, and they get better so then there becomes like competition like that but um you know in that process i think that this sort of growth mindset is becoming like far more talked about and it's um it's more widely understood by this generation of parent i think so i'm, I'm very hopeful that the future players are going to be more comfortable with criticism with self-improvement but because the, the parents understand the, the, um, the benefits of teaching this way um, gabriel what are your thoughts
1: i agree i agree 100 and one of the things as you're saying that most players don't do well in this kind of situation is because they were never taught about it. So you were born, you were just thrown into a system of doing the right thing, people praise you. Do the wrong thing, people complain about you. And you just keep seeking for that approval, seeking to do the right thing. And whenever something doesn't go right, you don't wanna face that because it really hurts you. So, and it's also hard to blame the players or to blame the parents. Because they didn't ever have the information about that. Like you don't learn that at school, you don't learn that at any place. So it's hard to find a way. And today we have the internet, but even so, if you are born into a house that your parents don't know about it, your parents don't understand how to make those things work for you, and they just do the things that come to their mind without any instruction. And when you find out about it, you are 20, 22 years old. And you go, okay, how do I work on these now? But you have 22 years of life that you were just repeating the old way, just reinforcing to keep behaving like that. How do you start changing that now? It takes time. So yeah. it's hard to blame the players. It's hard to blame the parents. But hopefully, as you said, today we have a way to work on those things.
0: Mm. And, and would you mind just expanding? Because I've got like a rough knowledge of, you know, I've read um, Mindset by Dr. Dweck. Um, that's mm-hmm. like one of my favorite books. And um, so I've got a bit of a knowledge on it, but obviously nothing compared to your level. So maybe would you mind um, just giving, uh, talking to our parents, um, just, just talking a little bit about that, uh, what you know about
1: growth mindset and what you advise? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So probably the, the most super idea of this book that I just mentioned is praising effort and not praising the results. So instead of coming to your child and say, look, you scored a great goal today, congrats, I'm proud of you. Go more for you're running, you were helping your teammates today, you were, your work ethic was awesome today. During the week you were training a lot and that showed in the best today. That's the way to keep doing, that's the way to keep going. So the more you're able to praise the process of the child, the things the child is doing daily, instead of the outcome that comes out of it, the child will be more prone to focus on the process, to deal with challenges, to deal with mistakes in a better way. And it's hard to do that out of instinct because it's not our nature. We want to do the right thing. We want to do the good things, the results. We want to win. Since the child starts playing, the child wants to win. So if there's no instruction there of, look, this is the most important thing for you. And that comes as appraisal for the effort. Then the child is able to start shifting the mindset towards the process, towards the things that are under their control. So this is the, the most, the number one principle for the growth mindset is to focus more on the process, to focus more on the effort instead of what comes out of this effort. And another thing that is uh I'm pretty sure that Carol deck cited, cited this in her book, that is not looking for external praise or external rewards. So there's a, a very interesting research they did to see if the kids were improving their performance, improving effort, if they were giving external rewards and as simple as it could be like uh, stars, giving stars to children, paper stars for their doing a specific thing. And the more they went through a process of getting external rewards for doing an activity they had prior interest. So if a child was drawing every day and then you start giving recognitions, so you start giving a medal or start giving something to to that child, their intrinsic motivation decreases as you insert, as you add external gratification to it. So we're doing, yes, yes. And the numbers are like the... If I'm not mistaken, it decreased by like 50% of the interest of the child when it was not always given. So sometimes you give it, sometimes you don't. It increased it a bit of intrinsic interest, but the more uh, consistent results was not giving anything to the child rather than just doing the activity by their own interest. And, and
2: sorry, does it, does it specify um, like what, what caused that or?
1: So the the research tells that the more you are focused on the outcome of the situation, the less you focus on the process of that. So the more you want to gain a medal, the less you focus on playing your game. And the more you're projecting your mind into, I'm going to get a medal next week or next game. And you just want to skip the part of playing. You just want to get a medal. And the more you do that, the more you see the process of playing as a stressful situation because it's just something... Between you and the thing that you want, so you have to play just to get the medal, and that decreases intrinsic interest.
2: Yeah, that that aligns that aligns with like how I always think. I always think it can't be results orientated. You have to mm-hmm. just concentrate not even on what you
1: not even in the professional level. The players should yeah, be yeah. results oriented, but 100%. especially in childhood, this has to be the least important thing.
2: It's so crazy to me when like people overreact to like a cup final result or something. It's like, like I I support Liverpool, so I'm biased towards them. But like the Champions League final, obviously we played, Liverpool played better than Real Madrid in the final because they're a better team. They just didn't happen to win that game. But everyone's going to go so far in terms of looking for some some weird reason why they didn't win. It's just you don't win every time. But but let's, let's say... Liverpool played that game ten times. They probably win it seven times because they're just better. They played better. But, but hang on, hang on. Like, like
0: Michael Jordan, like Kobe, they loved winning. They they were obsessed with winning.
2: So so do the winning mentality. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So does Pep. So does Klopp. That's that's a different thing. That's a different thing
1: yeah yeah that's the 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 thing that i talk the most on my instagram to try to break down the process of winning and those guys like they were obsessed with winning they won all the time so like how could they be so focused on doing the the things they did how did they focus it so much on like facing defeat in a good way and sports is business so the, what drives most business is to gain attention of people. And we focus a lot on the things that drive more attention. So the, the trash talk, the, the ego thing, those things get a lot of attention, but yeah. more in depth of the interviews, of the books. I have, I think you can see here, uh, Michael Jordan, two Colt books. They're always talking about how much they love what they do. And Cole was all the time speaking the, the reason why i did all the hard work was that was because that was the thing i loved the most in my life so i just wanted to do the most as i could of the thing that i loved the most in my life and that was playing basketball and yeah for, they, they didn't they didn't, the they didn't win
2: because they wanted to win sean
1: yeah everybody loves winning like every athlete plays to win nobody plays to lose but the more you focus on winning, the more you fear losing and the more it disrupts your concentration to focus on the game and have your best performance.
0: so interesting. That is such an interesting perspective. So it's it's almost like it's a whole because I'm thinking about a video that you shared, Gabriel, recently. I'm pretty sure it was you that shared it. And it was like Kobe won a game. It was a massive game. Yeah. And then the very next day, 4 a.m. in the morning, 5 a.m., it goes back and starts training again. And then people are like, you've just won this like big title or whatever you just won. Like, Why, why didn't you take a day off? But he's like, no, my process stays the same. Whether I won the game, whether I lost the game, I'm still going to do my same training.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it's although it's uh, easy to talk about it, but... When it actually happens, when you actually win, all you want to do is celebrate. And when you lose, all you want to do is complain and dwell on the mistakes. But when you are actually able to understand this is the how the mind works, this is the outcome that I'll get from this action, the more you're able to change that. It, of course, it's easier said than done, but that's the, the process.
0: But what about, all right, what about the pain that you suffer when you lose? There's a, literally a pain that you feel and then the adulation that when you win, humans are moving towards pleasure or away from pain. So, so like, surely there is motivation there.
2: Yeah, but hold on. You, sorry, sorry, Gabriel. You can't do anything with that. You can't do anything with, oh, it hurts, so I'm going to win next time. It doesn't help.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, mm. we were driven to those two things, to avoid pain, to seek pleasure. But the more you <laughs> understand... Process. how do you
2: do how do you do it exactly how how do you do it uh, but, you can't... Oh,
0: hang on hang on hang on so i want to just ask
2: sorry i want to ask this
0: like when you say that <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you feel that pain or not like if you start diluting that maybe then you start going into your tackles a little bit softer maybe you don't make that recovery run that you would normally make maybe you don't make the extra run to the box to go and score a goal
2: my answer is, if you understand the process, you know that you have to run hard and you know you have to tackle hard. That's part of the process, Like, right? It's not, you can't do anything with, oh, oh, I just wanna, I don't wanna feel that that pain again. You can't do anything with it if you don't know how to do anything. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Like I re- that's another, for me, that's another one of the, that, that kind of cliche is, is what, it's a crutch for people who, they haven't got anything really, they haven't got a way of improving the situation.
1: I yeah. think. Yeah. So, to, we're going to have the behavior that's the most, that we have the most motivation to act over. So, if we are used to do something and it helps. So, for example, when you get really mad, you're angry, and you use uh, aggression, that's a great way to solve the anger. It really goes away. So the next time it happens, you're just gonna repeat that. For winning and losing, when you when you win and you celebrate, that feels great. When you lose and you dwell on mistakes, that's all you want to do because that's basically what you were what happened to you. It's your first instinct. But the more you understand, okay, if I dwell on mistakes, this is going to make me more stressed. This is going to help to create this memory and make this memory stronger on my memory, the memory of loss. This is going to activate my emotional habits more often or easier than you would if I was not dwelling on the mistakes as much or as often. So the more you understand how your behavior happens, if I do this, that's the outcome that I get from it. And the more rational you're able to be about those decisions, the more motivated you get to behave in a specific way. So for Cole, since our early age, it was clear for him The more I dwell on my mistakes, the more I feel bad about failure, the more I'm going to see myself as a loser, the more I'm going to destroy my emotions, the less committed I will be to work towards my goals. So the more you develop this understanding of how the situation works, how your emotions are going to influence you, the more able you are to, okay, so I'm not going to do this. I will choose this instead. And once you do that, and that gives you a reward, you're able to see, okay, I was not feeling so sad after this defeat. I was able to work out in the next day and make progress on my shooting, on my dribbling. That's the way to go. That's the, the thing that I that will help me to improve the most in my long-term development. So once you start developing those ideas, those perspectives of the decisions you make, of the emotions you choose to stick with, the better you get at dealing at those scenarios. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so are you saying emotion in sport is actually not helpful at all no it
2: is is helpful all right sorry sorry gabriel you you go you go
1: (laughs) no go ahead go ahead
2: i was just thinking from my own experience it is helpful but you can't do anything with it if you don't know what to do with it Like that's how i feel about it
1: yeah we are we're driven by emotions all the things we do is emotions the key is dealing with them i'm feeling angry why am i angry Well, how can I use this angerness to move me forward, to help me work harder, or to to make me take some action that will solve this pain that I'm feeling right now? Or if I'm too excited, how will this excitement help me to continue improving? How can I not let myself lose track of the things that I'm doing if I get too excited about the things that I just accomplished? So the emotions will come, and there's no... Uh, stage in our lives or there's no moment that there are no emotions on us we're always doing something we're always driven by emotions but the more we understand them and the more you we can relate this emotion is coming from this perspective which gives me this behavior what's the best thing what's the best way to deal with this mm.
0: but but then okay so then <laughs> like in 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 dr dweck's book she talks about the need for results.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like she, she says that they are important in the process because we need results to be um, a certain measure to see if the process is actually working correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in, in football, we can say, yeah, that score in that game, uh, right,
1: we yeah. lost 5-0 or so, something. So, so long... Go 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 on. Go on. If we only only use score as the method of um, seeing what worked or not, that's not accurate because you don't control how many goals you score. You can control how many shots you take or how many passes, how many crosses you do during the game. But if the ball is going in or out, it depends on too many things. So that's why focusing more on the process and giving feedback more on the process. Okay. We didn't. We lose this game Oh, but okay. How many shots did we take? As uh, you said about Liverpool game, why did they lose the game? Real Madrid took, I think, one or two shots on goal. So it's not realistic to say that Liverpool Liverpool's season was bad or was awful. Yeah, because they lost the game. Even if they played better, it's not a realistic way to evaluate a team's performance just by the final result.
2: Uh, so. Sean, how I want to, um, you might just be asking, you might understand this anyway, you might just be asking the questions, but how I'd explain it to you or anyone like you asking the questions is yes, you look at results, but you look at results in the long term, and they will, they you will get good results if your process is good for the long term. But like, I think, like a cup final, for example, you, like it's such a one, one game is such a, small um a tiny sample size to judge how you're doing and let's say 20 games is still a small sample size to judge how you're performing it is but over the long term that is where your your results should start to match or align a little bit closely with your with how you train how you how you prepare all of that stuff Um, xg Mm. is not perfect at all well XG is really good, I think. It's not a perfect indicator, but it's really good. If you look at um, a lot of the Premier League... Teams... Hang on, what
0: is, what is XG? What is XG? Some of our parents might not know.
2: Yeah, so, and you. So, <laughs> it's expected goals. <laughs> expected goals. So, um, they calculate the <laughs> likelihood of each shot uh, <laughs> being a goal, uh, depending on the distance, the type of shot, um how many defenders in the way whatever i don't i don't know the exact method but it's really good and if you look at the the teams over a season now everyone says th- everyone whoever wins the league is the best team that's that's also nonsense like 38 games is not the definitive um sample size either but you're going to get much closer over 38 games to the best team always winning than over two or three games but um if you look at the xgs for this season i think there were in the Premier League, it was like it was like one or two out from how many goals should have been scored. and you'll look at Man United uh, goals for versus goals against. they had XG that they should have scored, which was very close to what they shouldn't have scored. And every, every team is basically like that, Man City overachieved in terms of their finishing by a little bit of a surprising margin. like people say they miss a lot of chances when actually. They scored more than they should have, according to the stats this year. But it's so close to um, how the teams actually finished. Is that is that XG method? So you do get,
1: mm. and it's it's
2: obvious you get your results if you if you do things the right way, time in, time out, you're going to get results. Yeah. Just okay. like to judge it off um, like short term results, I think Sean is what we're saying. You shouldn't be judging uh, your performance based off short term results or the what the big no. one of the big one-off game as well. The big one-off game no, is the no, that people.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, I hear that. that, that makes sense, that makes sense. Um, I, think, I think there's a combination of long-term goals and then, because in some ways, you're gonna build out a process, like a training program, and in some of it's it's like theory. You, you, you have a theory that my child's problems are this, So this is what they should work on. Um, And you take advice from coaches and people that have got programs in place, um, but some of it's then gonna be reactionary. Like, you know, sometimes with the way that your child is growing, they're gonna need to maybe do more coordination work maybe. And your plan for the 12 months might suddenly change. And for the period between April to June, suddenly you're far more focused in that area of their development. But like, you know, the long-term plan is, all right, we want the child to get signed in the under eights this season. And, um, and you know, that's what we're working towards. Um, but there are short term goals along that process. And there are also, I, I completely hear what you're both saying, and I completely agree with what you're saying about the result. But in terms of like finding ways to motivate the child, there can be a conversation around, hey, we lost 5-0 today. You, we, we've agreed that, you know, pressing and running with aggression is important and defending and helping your teammates is important. But in the game, you didn't do that today, oh, and the on. outcome is your team lost.
2: But hold on, like, why is it why does it matter that they lost five nil? Why is that linked to it?
0: Because football has winning and losing. In the no, end, no, You'd rather win than
2: lose. Hold on, yeah. So if your kid wasn't pressing and you won five nil, you wouldn't say anything
0: of course you would you would would still say yeah the uh,
2: the result is irrelevant it's relevant but it's irrelevant we
0: could you could have won you could have won 10-0 you'd say to the child you didn't press like uh, when we play a harder team you're 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 not why are you not pressing there that's you know we haven't taught you that
2: we taught so what i'm saying so what i'm saying is why did you start with we've lost five nil today and that's why i like it
0: because, because, yeah, I'm, I'm like trying to bring it into the conversation to say that the result in the the result can help in the process because it can link it. But I, I found it really interesting that you said because I want to take it back to about like um, the study that said no medals and trophies, because it goes even further to what you said at the very beginning, Gabriel, about um, a child needs to do something that's fun, and if they have something that's fun, they're going to do more of it, and mm-hmm. then maybe getting a trophy and getting a medal makes football a bit more fun. Can can you not see that?
1: Yeah, yeah. But uh, I I don't think the best way would be not having trophies, but I think the best way would be helping children to see more or to seek more for the activity. So playing more regardless of what happens instead of seeking for that trophy. And there are several factors that can influence this, but you as coach, me as a, a mental trainer, the things we can do is to help the child to the in the thoughts they have, in the goals they set for themselves, to always focus more on the process. The thing you were mentioning about uh, they lost five oh and the the process that didn't work as well or the things they could have done better. When evaluating the performance the the result shouldn't be a thing like to increase the importance of working on that. So yeah. You lost five oh because of these, but rather, okay, the things that didn't work as well in this game, how can we improve that? And not coming towards a, like a, an anger perspective or a disappointment perspective, you have to help the child very rationally because a child that just lost is going to feel really emotional about their loss because it really feels bad for anybody. So, the more you are able to preach the process and to help children to focus on the process, like yeah, I lost today, but I learned something that I will use in the next games, that I will develop these skills and they will help me improve. And of course, a child won't have these by themselves. The a parent or a coach might help to point towards this perspective, which will help the child over time to not fear losing or to take criticism in a better way, to not care so much about the results and become, as you the, the example you gave about cold, just waking up to the next day and following my process again because that's the thing that I control.
0: Mm, mm. I hear that I hear that um Gabriel do you have any children yourself?
1: No no I'm still 23 Uh, I feel like I still have a time.
0: (laughs) Yes plenty of time um 23 and so so knowledgeable um but but yeah um maybe you know in the future if, if you were to have your own child um would you want them to be a good footballer
1: oh yeah <laughs> yeah but i wouldn't force That's... it i don't think that forcing would, would help the child to become a footballer i would, as a parent i would like to but i don't know <laughs> okay
0: but let's say that um yeah they've taken to it they like football um yeah, will, will you give them trophies? Will you talk about the result? Like, what will be your approach?
1: I'll talk about the result, but I'll try to because we cannot ignore the way that everything works. At sports, you're going to get trophies. At work, you're going to get recognition. At school, you have tests. You're being comparing all the time and you get, you're getting external gratification, external rewards all the time. So, we cannot ignore those things and we, we It's impossible to try to exclude those things from a child's life. It's going to happen. So it's important to talk about those things and really try to explain, look, I know that you want to get these, but how much do you love playing? Would you play if there was nothing else or if you wouldn't get any trophy, if you didn't get any recognition and external reward, would you still play? And whenever something happens, your child just won a trophy, instead of making that as the biggest thing in the world and making the child to feel tremendously special, just look, you did a great job. All the work you did during the season, all the things you were doing, all the fun you have during training resulted in this. That's a great job. Let's keep doing it. I
2: love that.
0: I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, Yeah. I think, I think where we're, where maybe there was some um, difference of opinion there, I suppose, as we were talking, is that you guys almost come across just so like cold with it, you know, just like (laughs) no emotion. It's just process, process. It's just like forget about when, you know.
2: um, No, you've seen, sure you've seen um, me, you've seen when I play, obviously emotion is a massive part of, of the game, but like, I just can't, I can't get on board with um, like that, that thing that that you were intimating, not saying this is what you believe, but it's like that that pain on its own can help you next time. It can't, like, I don't think it can, unless you were just being lazy, unless you were just being lazy, like it can't help you. If you were trying and you lost, the pain is not going to help you, overturn that result next time if the same situation occurs. What's gonna help you is understanding uh, better, being better technically, physically, mentally, right?
0: Yeah. But what I'm saying is that without feeling great when you win, without feeling bad when you lose, and I suppose a parent almost you know like
2: everyone still has those feelings. Everyone still has those feelings. No,
0: some no some children don't care. Like, literally, like I think some of the worst players that I'll coach um, from a young age, they have no competitive spirit. They have no real emotion towards winning, losing. So then as a result, they don't defend. They don't practice very much. They don't care if they lose the ball. You know, it all comes from the yeah, inside yeah, of do they want to win or lose?
2: Fair, fair enough. But I suppose I was thinking more at uh, a higher level. Like, let's say an academy team are under nine you you don't find players that don't care surely
0: I think you do get players that care more than others yes, yes. And, and 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 those ones that care more put in more practice hours which result in them being technically better and finishing better and everything else but I think like you guys have really really opened my eyes to how almost clinical you can be you can almost become like a robot and you know, you think of like how, the pressure that those players are in in Champions League games, World Cup games. You, that must be how they can play in those scenarios. Yeah. Do because... you know what? This is
2: why I think this is why you see less um, teams freeze up in big games now because they're, the way they play is so ingrained into them through, through mm-hmm. more advanced training than you've ever had. That, like, <laughs> I remember growing up, like, a lot of the big games, World Cup finals, Champions League finals, they'd be boring and teams would be like complete, uh, completely unrecognisable from how you'd usually see them play because teams would freeze up. But now it's harder to freeze up when you know exactly what to do in every situation because it's also drilled. Like Pep's team, yeah, they, they lost that game to Chelsea or whatever and they didn't play as well as they can. They didn't freeze up in the Champions League final they played and that, it just doesn't happen as much to, um, to teams anymore because everything's so much better coached and better prepared.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even going adding to that, to the idea of focusing more on the process, when you're able, not just as a child, but any athlete, when you're able to attach more importance to the process and really enjoying those things, making it the most important thing, you're able to feel more motivated. And as motivation, I mean more dopamine. You have uh, more neurotransmitter that makes you to take action during the process, then on the outcome. So if you have more motivation to train, then you have motivation to celebrate winning a championship. You're going to have a lot more effort during the training phase, during the period that you are training, and you're able to develop yourself more, to have more focus, more attention, learn more, to have more effort during that time. And winning just becomes as a consequence of the process that you did instead of focusing Mm. so much Mm. i want to win i want to win i want to win yeah and you train your motivation to become attached to what's going to happen and if it doesn't happen you just become frustrated
2: like did you see uh gabriel Gabriel, i'm not sure if you saw like many of solskjaer you know solskjaer the man united manager from last year no oligona solskjaer he was manchester united
1: manager but what, what? Yeah, yeah, I know him, but what...
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, so uh, last year he used to do like, a <laughs> press conference. And it was like, everything was a buzzword about, oh, we need to want it more than the other team and things like that. And it's not just uh-huh. like, team goes out there and just has no clue what to do. And that's, mm-hmm. that's how, it's, it's such an extreme example, but it's happened with, like, you look at Pep with City and then Manchester United with Solskjaer. We've got similar budgets, um, similar... At that level, you've got all the facilities you need, mm-hmm. all the equipment you need, everything you need to uh, build a good team. And one of them knew how to do it, and the other one was just spouting about uh, cliches, basically to yeah. to try yeah. and to try and cut corners.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Guardiola, when the when City lost the UCL final to Chelsea, he had a very interesting approach to losing. He was like proud of the second place medal. He was like kissing the medal and talking good things about how you should appreciate those players for being the second best team in the most important tournament of the world. So it changes our perspective about what winning means and how we should approach the process that actually takes to win and not if you win or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Well, um, now gabriel i mean this this has been one of my favorite episodes like I, I literally have been learning like this whole hour that we've been speaking so thank you so much for your time i, I really really appreciate
2: it yeah it's been great
0: um like yeah um with with parents that will no doubt want to learn more from you um y- you have a course that, that you run can you tell us about that
1: yeah yeah so it's called the athlete mentality academy It's a a platform that has all the, the strategy for mental preparation. So basically, the structure is each module covers one topic. So we have entering the zone of flow, we have confidence, we have dealing with anxiety, we have motivation and habits, and all the things. There are five more modules out of those. And those are towards athletes that are from 13, 15 to 25, 28 years old. So... It's actually practical drills, things that you can do, that you learn and you apply to your game to train the mental side. But
0: may, maybe some of our parents could take the course and then they would get some knowledge that they can give their children, maybe?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you, the best way they could help is to use those tools in there and make it more, less uh, technical. So I explain how it works why the brain does these? how these applies to your emotions. So if the parents can watch that and translate into a more uh, understandable way of doing things. So making the drills easier for children to do, that could be a, a good strategy.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and no doubt parents can obviously message you on Instagram as well. If they would like maybe a bespoke consultancy if their child is having maybe some specific problems whether it's like self-confidence or mental resilience or not training hard enough these things and um, maybe they could reach out to you and you could uh, work out some sessions for them um yeah. but yeah gabriel no I, I i loved it and um maybe you know we could speak again in the future um if, if there are more things that we think that we could talk to you about. Um, but yeah, this has been an incredible episode. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Enjoyed a lot this time. I hope I was able to contribute in some way to was watching and thank you guys for hosting me.
2: Thank you, mate.
1: All right. Cheers, guys. Bye. Cheers.
2: Bye. Oh, one second. It has stopped recording. One sec.